0: Believe that God wants to heal you today. Would you remain standing if you have a Bible? Let's go to John chapter 5. While you're looking that up, we are beginning a series today. We do this every year where we look at our our core values. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? If you're new to church, perfect series to come in on. Perfect series, because we're going to be talking over the next four weeks what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And I love it because Jesus... The Bible, it's like, there's a lot of Bible here, right? Like, what part of this am I supposed to be doing? You know what's awesome? Somebody asked Jesus that one time. Here's how he answered in Matthew 22. He said, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and oh, a second is equally important. Just uh, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Four things. Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor. We call those our four core values And that's what it means to follow Jesus, loving God and loving people. We say it every week at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people. And out of that, we have four core values that we say this way. Would you say these with me? These are the values that we place as a church corporately, but also individually. This is how we live out our lives. Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. Purpose in the world is found in Jesus. I am really excited because of our core groups that are kicking off tonight and this week that are going to be going through these four core values, but also looking at our eight core practices. There are eight practices of every follower of Jesus. And if you wonder, how do I live out these core values? There's eight things that every follower of Jesus does. You're going to be talking about those. We're going to give everybody a special booklet that we put together, a workbook for you. You'll be able to have uh, things you'll be able to do during the week that are going to, I think, help you, inspire you, and encourage you. If you're not in a group, you can still get in one. Just grab a Next Step card, fill that out. We'd love to get you in a group. Today... We're beginning this series, and we're going to call it Hero Maker. I believe that all of us are a hero maker. You can be a hero maker in somebody's life. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are a hero maker. You are a hero maker. I believe that God wants us to be hero makers. Today, I want to talk about the power of hope from John chapter 5. If you're new to church, new to the scriptures, uh, and you don't have a Bible, download Version. When you get on there, uh, look under events, you'll see all the scriptures. You look for core church, and then there's scriptures and all kinds of things about the church. But in John chapter five, John was a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote down all the stories of Jesus. And so we know Jesus was in uh, Samaria, and then he was in Galilee, and now we're picking up the story here where it says afterward, this is chapter five of John, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one day, for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda. Had five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They all, they all laid on these porches. And one of the men had been sick for like 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, saw that he'd been ill for a long time, he said, hey, would you like to get well? He says, I can't. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and Walk. I want to say that to somebody today with whatever it is you're facing that's got you beat down, got you broken, got you on the mat that you feel like you can't get up. I want to say to you today stand up, pick up your mat, and walk in Jesus' name. He wants you to walk again. Some of you feel like I can't walk. I ain't got no energy to walk. I have no willpower to walk. I'm done. I wanna tell you, you can rise and walk in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Instantly, that's how quickly it can happen for you. Like today, in an instant, your situation can change. In an instant, you can receive your healing. He's got 38 years. Instantly, life radically altered. He was healed, Father, thank you. Your word today. Now help us as we try to unlock this and understand it. Teach us well today. Teach us well. Spirit of God, be in this place and fill us and help us to have wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 All right, you can sit down. It has been a great weekend for our men as we had our big core men's weekend, breakfast yesterday, a lot of bacon, and then Friday night we had a bonfire and four-wheelers. We were riding four-wheelers till the neighbors called the police. It was awesome. They didn't, but it was still great. We had a blast and uh, camping. We camped out on the land. Look at this picture. This is some of it. It was just, it was so much fun. I had no idea Danny Hamilton was going to set up next to me. Serious camper. He brought a trailer in. He'd cut down logs out of the wood with his bare hands. (laughs) He had like a... Some kind of, I don't know what he had, some kind of a, a barbecue pit of some sort. And all I, seriously, all I had was a coat hanger and a hot dog. <laughs> all right, I'm not making that up. Danny sits down, he's cutting steak. I'm like, I am way out of my league here. <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm a novice camper at best. You know, camping is very risky, is it not? So I don't do it very often. Especially like air mattress. How many of you camped? How many of you ever camped before? Air mattress is risky, is it not? Put the air in it, feels fluffy. 2 a.m., might be fluffy, or you might be on the hard ground, okay, with a slip disc to go with it. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, this camping can be risky. I, I mean, you just don't know how things were, are going to go. I, this happens to me every time I camp. so why I don't do it very often. In the middle of the night, I woke up. It happened to me again. I heard a noise. I thought, there's the next murderer out here. Not sure if it's Danny or someone else. <laughs> no, it's not Danny. I, I really had that fear, like, I know there's the next murderer I know it. I'm going to die right here. This is where I'm going to die. Behind these modular units, this is not the way I want to go, Jesus. I pray those weird prayers. So, but you just never know. It's, it's very risky. The elements, you never know how the weather is going to go. We got lucky. Rain before, rain afterwards. It was a gorgeous, beautiful night. So much so that, again, I'm a novice. I set my tent up, and I thought, rain tarp? I do a rain tarp. I'll just throw it over the top. That's not how you put this tent together, evidently, because in the middle of the night, the tent... Tarp was laying on, and it collected condensation and moisture. And what I didn't realize is that uh, whenever the wind would blow, water would hit me right in the face. (laughs) Every 20 minutes, I am not exaggerating. And then on top of that, I wake up at 2 a.m. to... And I hear over here to my right, Sergio, 30 feet from me. (laughs) This is my night. (laughs) 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 It was amazing. Oh, you should have been there. It was awesome. You just never know what's going to happen. Camping's fun for for a night. This guy in John chapter 5 is camping out. He's camping out by the the pool of Bethesda, and he's kind of been exposed to the harsh elements of life. We've all been exposed to the harsh elements of life. We've all been exposed to the difficulties and the struggles of life, and it's okay for a night, right? It's okay. You can grin and bear it. You can hunker down. I mean, you you can get through a difficulty or a struggle as long as it's not on going. If it's just for a short season, we can all handle that. But this guy, this guy, this is no overnight camp out for this guy. 38 years. He has completely lost hope. It's never going to happen for him. Maybe that's you today. It's never going to happen for me. And he's not alone. I want you to know today, you are not alone. You think you're the only one that feels like, I can't get up off the mat. Life is, (laughs) this is never going to change. And you feel alone in that. But right here in this room, I want you to know there are other people just like you asking the same questions. So this guy's laying there and... John chapter 5 verse 2 it says inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches crowds of sick people crowds of sick people the blind the lame or the paralyzed laid on these porches and the reason they were there is they had this belief that an angel came and would stir up the waters like once a year and if you were lucky enough if you were fortunate enough and you were close enough you could get into that water and if you were one of the first ones you could be healed So people heard about this, and they just came from everywhere, and they crowded into this place. It got so crowded, they had to build five different porches just to house all of these people. They're waiting, and they're just kind of hoping for a shot. Maybe I'll get into the water. This word Bethesda, it it actually means grace, mercy, and kindness. That's hope. That is hope hope. It's it's the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God that gives us strength to make it through the struggles of life. If you believe that, say amen. Our God, whether it's trials or whether it's temptations, God gives grace. Whether it is a setback, whether it is heartache, whether it is brokenness, whether it is financial collapse, God gives grace. He gives mercy. He gives kindness. He gives us hope that things can and will get better. This is where this guy is laying. He's laying. He has no idea. He's laying in the midst of hope. He's laying in the midst of grace and mercy and kindness. You don't know it today, but you are in a place of grace, mercy, and kindness. It is on you, and God is about to deliver hope to you. We have hope because of God's grace, his mercy, and his kindness. Core Church is a house of hope. It's a place where the blind and the lame and the paralyzed can come, whatever your situation, whatever your struggle, and you can receive today grace and mercy and kindness. But not only is this a house of hope, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a house of hope. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're a house of hope. You are a house of hope. You have hope in you. Why? Because you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, and he's calling us to take this hope out into our world. All across this city, there are people who are laying on porches like this guy, hoping and begging for a miracle. I mean, they're beaten down by life. They've had failure. They've had disappointment. Before the service began, I, I was greeting people, and I said, hey, how are you doing today? And someone said, um, I'm okay. And I've learned to kind of, you know, be sensitive to that, and I said, well, what do you mean by okay? My, my friend died last night. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. And so I just sat down, and I said, uh, what happened? He said he, he took his life, left behind some little babies. that's our city. That's what we're facing. That's, that's the people, and they are on our porches. The porches they are on are the front porches of our lives. They're your neighbors. They're your co-workers. They're on the campus where you go to school. They're on on the ball field where where you play ball and your children play ball. This man, he had no way of getting to Jesus. And I love this. Jesus went to him. People have no way of getting to the hope. They can't get up off the mat. The only hope they have is you and me getting up and going to them. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you are somebody's hope. You are somebody's hope. Verse 6 says this, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, hey, would you like to get well? Right now, somebody is on your porch and they're looking for hope. Do you see them? Do you see them? Some people, they they, they wear their pain. It's, It's just very obvious, you know, from just their countenance and their... You just see it on them. They have, it's how broken they are. But most people, they hide their pain very well. Followers of Jesus, we're really good at it. But the world, all of us, followers of Jesus, non-followers of Jesus, all of us in this world, we're really good at hiding our pain, but it doesn't mean that the scars aren't just as deep. It doesn't mean that, that we're not struggling and, and we have no way out and we don't know how we're going to get through this. You have a neighbor and you wave at your neighbor and they're mowing their lawn just like you mow your lawn and you have no idea. But inside, they're falling apart. And they don't know if they're going to make it another day. Like you're on your campus and you, you, know, and you see them and they're just rocking their, their wardrobe. Man, they got the vans on. They got the mom jeans on. Man, they're looking good. And you're like, that girl looks good. And on the inside... She looked good on the outside, but on the inside, she's struggling, and she's falling apart. Do you you see them? Do you you see them? Jesus saw this man, and our only hope for seeing people this way is the spirit of the living God. We need the spirit of God to open up our eyes to see into the hearts of the people around us. It's It's the only way we're going to get it done. You can't do it under your own human ability. You'll never see it. But if you tap into the spirit of the living God, guess what? He can give you eyes to see. How do you do that? You have to begin to pray that God will open up your eyes. Do you pray every day, God, open my eyes to see people that need you? Do you pray that prayer? Like we have a prayer we pray at the end of every service. There's a reason we pray that prayer is because we want our eyes to be open, to see into the broken hearts of people so that we can infuse the hope of Jesus into their life. Come on, say amen if you believe that. We want people to have hope. In fact, I want, to, I want to encourage you, grab one of those hero maker cards. Grab one right now. They're on the chairs around you. Everybody get one of those cards. I want you to take that card with you. I want you to put it on your desk at work. I want you to put it on, in your backpack or on your bathroom counter or wherever it will be highly visible to you. And I want you to pray this simple prayer. I'd like for you to write this prayer down. I I want you to pray this simple prayer over the next four weeks as we go through this series. God, help me to be a hero maker today. Simple prayer. God, help me to be a hero maker today. My card, I I picked it up on Thursday. I was prayer walking through these chairs like I do every Thursday, and And I saw the cards, and I just picked one up, and I just sensed God said, Brad, I want you to take that. I want you to put it on the dash of your car, and I want you to pray. And and I'm like, God, I already do. I I pray all the time. He's like, "I, I want you to pray fervently. I want you to pray that I make you a hero maker. I want you to see yourself differently. I've been praying for lost people, praying for broken people forever. I do it every day. It's just a regular part of my deal. But I never saw myself as a hero maker. Do you see yourself as a hero maker? Like you're a hero. God wants to use you in someone's life to give them the power of hope. And so I did, I began praying that prayer and and so it sits there right there on the dash of my truck and every time I look at it over the last few days, I've been, God, uh, help me to be a hero maker today. Last night, who would have thought? You pray a prayer like that and God gives you opportunities. Ha, weird how that works. You don't pray, nothing happens. Here's the thing I wanna say real quick. When you don't pray, it's happening around you, you just don't see it. That's the scary thing. You don't see it. But when you begin to pray, God opens your eyes. So Laura and I, we were on a date last night, and so I took her to a, um, we went to a sub shop um, because, you know, I know how to treat my lady well. Uh, (laughs) Guys, don't judge me. Uh, At least I took my wife out on a date. Boom. Okay, so... (laughs) Ladies are like, whoop, whoop, he's preaching now. Yeah. Uh, so, but we went out on this date and, and we were at this place and I saw this young man, he's probably 16, 17 years old and uh, you know, it's a fast food place and, and I'm watching him, man, he is cleaning the windows like nobody's business. I mean, he is, get, I mean, he's just clean. I was like, wow, I ain't never seen anybody clean fast food place like this. And he goes to each table and he's wiping every table down. There's like two customers in the whole place and, and there's no manager on duty. There's nobody there watching him and, and then he gets the broom out and he's going under every chair. He's getting every crumb, and he's coming around, and, and then he, he, does, he does the craziest thing. He opens up the trash can receptacle thing, pulls out the canister, starts spraying the inside. Who does that, okay? I, how many of you ever washed your trash can at home? You know, we don't even do that. This guy's washing the inside. I'm like, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And so I said, hey, what's your name? He said, um, Chase. I said, hey, Chase, um, I've been watching you. He's like, uh, you have? I was <laughs> like, yeah. I said, um, I noticed how detailed and how hard you're working, and nobody's watching you. This guy's 16, 17 years old. He's like, yeah? And I said, what I want you to know is the only people that do stuff like that are people that go on to become managers, business owners, executives. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, this dude, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm cleaning now. What else? I mean, he just got excited, and, and Laura went on our way. I don't know what I deposited in his life. I just was aware and God wants to use you. He wants to use you in huge mighty things in somebody's life. Like, man, oh no, my friend has give has taken his life. What do I do now? You know what you do next when I was talking to this person? You show up at the funeral. What do I say? What do I do? I don't know what you do in that moment. You just be present. Be present. Because you take the presence of Almighty God, you take the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. What does that mean? When they step into that funeral home for that funeral, they are going to deposit hope right in the middle of a hopeless and broken situation. I might use you with that, or he might just use you simply to encourage a kid at a fast food establishment, but we have got to be people that open up our eyes and share hope around us. So Jesus, he sees this guy, and, and then he steps out onto the porch to help him. Now, is there anything creepier than when somebody comes up on your porch nowadays? Does anybody else get weird? Like, somebody rings your doorbell, you're like, wait, what's that all about? Why is somebody here? I don't understand. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not answering it. <laughs> why is that? What's wrong with us? I, I, when I was a little, little boy, the doorbell would ring. My mom would be, old. oh, I, t- I got pie in the oven. I got pie just for visitors. That's what it's for. Come on in here. Everybody have pie. That, that's what it was like when I was a little boy. Now it's like, why are they here? Stranger danger. <laughs> we won't, we don't step out on our on our porches you know we got to step out onto our porches okay like we we've got to step out on the porches of our neighborhoods of our ball teams of our of our campuses like we've got to get to know people do you know your neighbor beyond the wave do you know their name do you know their story what if you walked across the street and just introduced yourself Do you know the person sitting next to you on the ball field at the practice when you come and you bring your chair and sit down next to them? Do you do you know their name or do you just know them as, oh, this is the parent of number 14 on the team? Like the, the person on your campus, do you know them beyond what they're wearing or who they are or their first name or beyond their TikTok account? Like, do I know people? Do I know their story? Am I willing to get out there? And I'd like for you to write this down. I think this is so important because God wants us to get out there onto our porches like Jesus did here. And here's the question I want you to write down, and you're going to have to wrestle with this all week. You're just going to have to wrestle with it. It's not going to be easy, but you're just going to have to let it sit. Do people know they can turn to me? Do people know they can turn to me when life turns on them? Do my neighbors know that? Like, do my, the people on my campus, do people in my workplace, the ball team, do they know, they know I'm a person of hope? Do they know they can turn to me when life turns on them? Some of us are like, man, I just don't like to be intrusive. You know, I I just, you know, I I keep to myself. I'm kind kind of an introvert. I bet you this guy is really glad that Jesus didn't keep to himself. I bet this guy's really glad that Jesus got over his introvertedness and said, I'm going to help this man. And Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? Has anybody else read that question and thought, that is just, I don't want to be rude, but that's kind of a, I don't want to say dumb question, Jesus, but exhibit a the guy can't get off the mat he's been on the mat for 38 years this guy's like oh yo i'll tell you what day's not a good day for me jesus you know what i'm uh, sun's out soaking up some rays could you come back on tuesday that'd be better for me yeah it's crazy jesus said but here's what jesus does throughout the scriptures we're gonna even see this next week jesus always asks questions why does he ask questions because he wants to know somebody's story." Because He wants to get to know what this person wants and what they need. So often we jump in and we try to help people and and we're no help at all because we don't know their story. We don't know what their struggle is. We don't know what they really need or even what they want. One of the best things we can do is ask questions. When I was right in the middle of writing this okay, and thinking through this very thing, my phone rang. I looked down and it it says, Evelyn Larson, and that's my my mother-in-law, Laura's mom. And I'm like, oh. She never calls me. I I better answer that. And so I answer the phone. I'm like, hello. And she's like, Brad, this is Evelyn. I'm like, I know, yes. And she's like, "Um, well, I'm here in the driveway. I'm in Laura's car, and I can't get the car in reverse. And I said, hey, um, I'm going to be praying for you. (laughs) All right, see you later. Isn't that what we do? Aren't we just as guilty of that? Hey, I'll be praying for you. No, I didn't do that. I I started asking questions. I want to find out I was wrong. I don't know anything about cars, so we're just, you know, we're both trying to, both the lame person on the mat trying to figure it out, blindly in the blind here. We can't get this done. But I'm asking her questions like uh, the gear shifty thing, you know, with the P and the R and all that. There's a there's a button, push the button. Nope, not not working uh, do you, do you have your foot on the brake? Okay. Yeah. Got my foot on the brake. Try it now. Nope. Nope. Nothing. And so we go through all these different questions and finally I say, um, have you turned the car off and turned it back on? No, I haven't tried that yet. Let's try that. She turns the car off, turns it back on, goes right into reverse and she goes on her way. How does she know to do that? How do we get to that place? Because I'm asking questions. How are you going to get people stuck out of park and on their way? How are you going to help rise them up out of the hopeless state they're in? I believe the best thing we can do is start asking questions. And the way that we share our hope is simply by listening. In fact, I would say this. If you are introverted, if you don't know if you're introverted, you're the person that every time I say, turn to somebody, you're like, oh, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm sweating. That's you, okay? You're like, I'm not talking to anybody here, okay? But no, you're, if you're introverted, you have, you, you are overqualified for this you're the best listener out there introverted people are the best listeners i'm the worst listener in the world my word for 2019 is listen guess what my word for 2020 is going to be listen cuz i did a terrible job in 2019 okay cuz i just i need to be a better listener and it's by listening you ask questions. So I'm asking questions, and I'm listening, and it's through listening that you discover their story, and you discover where they're at, and you know how to provide the hope that they need. So Jesus asked this question, do you want to get well? And then he listened for the answer. And the man said this in verse seven, I can't, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. A couple weeks ago, Laura and I were at a staying at a hotel, and and uh, I was we were with, at a pastor's gathering and I was talking about this last week that a couple of the leaders in our church tricked me into staying up after nine o'clock at night which I don't do because my mama taught me nothing good happens after midnight and uh, so I was praying and I had three shots of espresso to try to stay awake so needless to say by 1 a.m. I was still like Woo, let's party we get back to the hotel and and I'm like oh this is awesome and Laura's like, hey, hot tubs open 24 seven. I'm like, hot tub party, hot tub party. Let's go hot tub party. And she's like, calm it down. This is a public place. Okay. So we go down to the hot tub. How many of you know, when you go to a hot tub at a hotel, the one thing, when you walk in and one thing you're hoping to see is what, that the hot tub is empty. Because if there's people in the hot tub, you're like, well, great. Now we're not getting in the hot tub. Because they're in the hot tub. Because everybody knows the unwritten rule is if somebody's in the hot tub and you don't know them, you don't get into the hot tub. If you do that, by the way, you are creepy, okay? We don't do that, that's weird. You don't get in the hot tub with somebody you don't know. Here's the other thing, by the way, another rule. If you're in the hot tub and a stranger gets into the hot tub, you have three minutes to exit said hot tub. Those are the rules of hot tubbing at a hotel, okay? So Laura and I get down there, there's nobody in the hot tub. We're like, whoop, whoop, yeah, like 3 a.m. We're like, whoop, whoop. I mean, we're just having a time of our life. Nobody's anywhere. We're like, this is amazing. I think many times that Sunday can become a holy hot tub party. I need my space. I don't want anybody, I don't, I don't, stranger danger. I don't, we come in, we're looking around. Oh, great. Somebody's on that row. I can't sit there because I don't know them. So as soon as they exit that row, I can sit on that row and we come in and we're thinking only about my needs and my way and the way I got to have it. We're not thinking about strangers. We're not thinking about people we don't know. It's crazy. This is the house of God. We should be looking for people that we don't know so that we can sit by them. But so often we come in and we're not doing that. And, I gotta get some space around me, and I gotta feel the bubbles. I gotta feel the bubbles of the Holy Spirit. I gotta feel the bubbles and get all oh, the goosebumps and the good stuff, and then I'm gonna exit the hot tub, and then somebody else can come in. That's not the way church was designed. That it is not a holy hot tub party. It is. Listen, there is space for everyone. Core Church is a house of. Hope when we look around for those who we don't know, and we invite others to come in and experience the hope that we have found in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come, and while they're coming, I think the saddest words in this entire story are I have no one. Wow. I says, I, I have, nobody would help this guy. You may be thinking that, Brad, I want to help people, but man, I'm just not qualified. And I mean, I'd leave that to you. You're the professional. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. Listen, I want to anoint you and I want to appoint you to do the work that God has for you. And it's not just reserved for those who have a seminary degree. In fact, I remember long before I was ever in ministry and I was in radio and I was sitting at my desk one afternoon and I was preparing the next morning's show that I was going to be doing, and uh, one of the salesmen came, and he stood in the doorway of my office. He said, hey, Brad, you got a sec? And I could tell from his countenance that um, something was very wrong. So he came, and he sat down, and he just, (sighs) My wife has cancer. And he just began to weep. And I just sat there with him. I just sat with him. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't qualified for that. And I just said, God, help me right now in this moment. Help me to help my friend. I was just available. That's the only qualification you need is be available. Available for your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends and classmates. and So I just prayed with my friend. And I could tell that hope was infused to him in that moment. You're a hero maker. You can be a hero maker in someone's life, but you've got to be available. Do people know that they can turn to me when life turns on them.